Digital Cowboys Greatest Hits Part 2, dated Friday the 20th of August 2010. Hello Digital Cowboys listeners, and sorry we've been gone for quite some time. The show's been going for a little bit of a weird patch. We changed it to once every two weeks, which completely changed the dynamic of the show. We suddenly had to start really delivering uh, every two weeks, so rather than relieve pressure, it added extra pressure on. Yeah, and one of the reasons we went with that, because my work schedule was absolutely crazy and I didn't have time to actually get stuff done. But um, strangely, it's, I mean, it freed up the time. It, it certainly delivered on that promise, um, but it kind of meant that we weren't gelling with our community, which mm. is an odd feeling. It's you know, felt like we've been on holiday, you know. We've tried it for a couple of weeks or a month at this point, and yeah, it's, it's not gelling with us. We're not afraid to change the format of the show, and... Uh, Sometimes it, it lasts a long time. Other times it's it's only a couple of weeks. It would seem. Mm. So yes, I feel like we we owe our, our loyal listeners a bit of an explanation. You moved, which was a fairly big thing because you end up not having internet for nine days. Yep. Which was nightmare. I would assume it was horrible. I couldn't stand it. I was just pacing the floor. There was nothing to do. Yeah, I remember talking to you. You're like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of. I can't even be bothered to play games. It was like limbo. I couldn't be bothered to play games because I wouldn't be able to just chat with people while I was doing it. So what's the point? And you turn 30. And, yeah, I turn 30. I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really going at it with my beard now. I want to be taken as seriously <laughs> as possible. And, uh, yeah, no longer in my 20s. So, I mean, that's good. I, I, I've never particularly liked uh, my youth. So <laughs> bring on old age and seniority. You won't be saying that when you get in college to the 40s, I'm sure. Mm. As for me, I took a, a nice long kind of summer break. Um, I've been playing a bunch of games. Um, if, if in fact, if you wanted to find us, we had guested, both of us had guested on um, Game Burst podcast. At least once. Yeah. We were on it, a, a quiz episode together, and then uh, you were on the news one, and I was on the discussion one. Yeah. Game Burst, seriously, everyone should listen to Game Burst. It's a great show. It's a great show. And one of the other important things is we actually both kind of lost our enthusiasm for games over the summer. Which is and fairly significant when you're doing a gaming podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's happened to us before whilst we've been doing the podcast, but never since we've just been focusing on games. I think that at the time we were doing movies as well, so we can just easily kind of brush over that and, and concentrate more on that. But this time it was pretty bad. I, I remember talking to you while we were kind of away, just going, I don't want to play anything. There's nothing <coughs> nothing that excites me. And, um, you know... We're not the only one. There's a lot of people that after E3 went down that, that same route, and maybe we can do a whole podcast on it in the future. But it, it didn't make for a particularly fun month of kind of like sitting around. And going, I, just, I don't want to turn anything. I don't want to turn the PS3 on, the, the Wii, 360, the PC, anything. Go back and listen to music. Not even podcasts at that point, which is pretty bad. That's just depressing. So now we're going to deliver you some good stuff. Mm. Um, First of all, for the people that uh, do attend the forums, you would have noticed a, a big change, actually. Yeah, end of July, start of August, one of our forum members, Block Kitten, or Carolyn. But uh, yeah, there's a brand new forum up. I'm sure that the, the people who have been there, I hope you like it. It's, it's really quite smart and cool and you know, a place where hopefully you'll be going a lot more in the future. Because some good news, Al. Should we tell them? Yes. We are going to be back in an every week schedule. So not bi-weekly, we're coming back every single week. Uh, to give us our sanity <laughs> a chance to regain itself. Um, and not only that, the show is still changing a bit. 
Um, well, yeah, just basically to counteract, to give us the time that we needed um, with the uh, two-weekly two schedule, but to also allow us to, to make some great shows with, with a good focus. We've um, made it so that we've got shows which we can really plan for and prepare for, and, and a lot of shows which are going to require you guys to uh, submit uh, content for, which is going to be some of my favorites, I think. And, um, you know, focused interview shows where we get on special guests that talk about things that they absolutely adore. But we're also going to be doing more chat. And uh, there'll be more about this in the future because we don't know how it's going to work exactly yet. But basically, we're looking at doing, well, exactly what we always said we wouldn't do, which is to just get people <laughs> on to talk about games. But we'll see if we can give it a Digital Cowboys spin and uh, keep it pacey, give it the audio flair that you guys love, and, uh, and, and not just waffle on about what games we've been playing. It's, it's, it's going to be more than that. We're, we're still going to have guests on, and there's going to be lots of podcasters that you know and love. Mm. And they're going to be coming on and, and talking about games. There's going to be still roundtables about specific stuff that our guests are going to bring. There's going to be a lot more kind of talking about our community and bringing you guys to the forefront and giving you plenty of time to kind of bring your thoughts for ideas for interviews uh, that will be forthcoming over the next couple of weeks after that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a, you know one show different every week. Um, and we're going to give them names. We don't quite know what yet because uh, Alice is what, what were some of your names? Um, I was thinking Campfire uh, would be basically <laughs> stop, stop laughing. It's not that kind of camp. Uh, well, it's, it was better than the hoedown. Well, I like hoedown. Well, okay, okay. Uh, hear me out on this one. Uh, campfire is basically getting everyone in and sort of getting getting everyone gathered around and just having a chat about this, that, and the other. Give me any other more you know <laughs> symbolic cowboy uh, gathering than a campfire where you get to sort of hang around and chat. Then there's hoedowns, which are collaboration ep- episodes like the Zelda episode you recently heard. See, the purpose of a hoedown is to outdo the last person, but this is kind of True. a blind hoedown where effectively you're just all sort of doing your little dance and it sort of gets woven together into this weird dance tap. And then, of course, there's interviews or showdowns where it's just us versus one or two other people, and we're talking about one thing in particular. So that, those are the three formats with three different levels of focus. Nothing like confusing our audience. Hoedowns, showdowns, campfires. It's not difficult. What about the Pony Express or the DC Express? The, t- the DC maybe Express, I kind of like. Uh, but that'll yeah. be like a little five-minute thing that we just sort of update people with. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, uh, look for this stuff. Um, next week we have a big interview for you. Hopefully. By next week it'll all have different names. Yes, next up. week. So yeah, and then the week after we start with our uh, some of a whatever we end up calling it. But you know, a bit it'll be one shot kill. Yeah. Let me tell you. No, we will not be. The Knights uh, of Gamelot. The Knights of Gamelot Roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could finally use that. That would be awesome. I like um, and then yeah, and then we're going to promise that we're going to stick to a schedule of some kind because, quite frankly, games are now coming back out again. Yeah. Um, the autumn is upon us, sadly, uh, and the games that we're actually generally interested in are going to be back in, so we can actually talk and be infused about that stuff again. So. And I absolutely hated not being able to work. I, 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 I want to get back on the horse. All these references to Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So what you're about to listen to now is uh, Digital Cowboys Greatest Hits Part 2, the best of the second year. And it'll stretch from episode 52 all the way up to 104, maybe a little bit later than that. But uh, basically, this is uh, where we started upping our game. And there's almost a, there's a definite point in the middle where we go, right, bollocks, pull up our socks and start talking about just about video games. And so, you know, apologies for the fact that, you know, it's going to be quite 
quite slow and we're going to be talking about movies and we we weren't all that skillful back then but it's it's like a it's like a way of tracking our progress so by the time you get to the end of part three which should be the end of the third year be it sort of april this year uh it should be you know well up to speed enjoy indeed and you can go back and listen to Digital Cowboys Greatest Hits Part 1, which was released way back in April 2008. You should be able to find that on iTunes or on the website. Now, I happen to know that only a quarter of our ceiling level of listeners have listened to this. So, uh, everyone else, go back and listen. Uh, and here's the second part. We'll see you next week. Happy travels. Circus as it goes, abandoning the magician. And sometimes the white clown who blows great big bubbles all full of screams. So why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Now, my proposal for, you know, why don't they remake is the only other Tarkovsky film I've actually seen, and which was also has been loosely converted into a, uh, a, a computer game called Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl. Oh, I'm, of course, talking about Stalker. Uh, which is, uh, I'll, I'll just, I have seen the film, but it was quite, it was quite a few years ago. I'll just, I'll just use the Wikipedia description. It describes the journey of three men traveling through a post-apocalyptic wilderness called the Zone to find a room filled with the potential to fulfill one's innermost desires. Now, give it a bit of an update, you know. Okay, you don't need all the deep monster things jumping around like in the game, but hey. <laughs> I'd say it would be improved with monster things jumping around, but Probably. yeah. Probably. But anyway, that was my. That okay, was no, my but no, it's in the specifics. Who would you give it to direct? Uh, I haven't really thought that far ahead, so. Even Soderbergh, George Clooney. <laughs> well, how about. How about I, I think Soderbergh. I think Soderbergh needs a bit of a. needs a bit of a kick up the arse again. So it needs oh, a bit God, yeah. Actually, yeah, no, I agreed, yeah. Do so. And get back on the wagon. Frankly, you could get George Clooney, James Cameron, everyone in again as producing it. You know, why not? Who would be the other guy? How many guys? Three guys. There's three guys. Okay, so there's George a, Clooney. See, there's, uh, yeah, there's the stalker. Obviously, they have. To, there's one one thing that did occur to me was that obviously stalker these days. Obviously, in the in the film, it means you know a tracker of yeah, the game. but. I mean, that's why when they when they did the computer game, it's S dot T dot and so yeah. on. Cause, as opposed to uh, stalker, as in someone who stalks Paris Hill. Because otherwise, might think, oh, it's the new it's a new slasher movie and or horror movie, and you just think, no. So it's a hard, it's a slightly hard one, but okay. Uh, I think Clooney could probably play the um, huh? the the stalker. How about? Uh, no, no, I was going to say Matt Damon, but we want to keep this away from Ocean's Eleven territory. Well, yes. <laughs> this is not <laughs> well, just sucking stars at it. And, you know, yeah, let's write Dr. Cheadle with a crap There's act. a writer and a professor, so who, who's, a, who's a writer-like kind of person? So, a writer and a what? A professor. Yeah, put Stone and Strauss going in there. You'll fit in there in a kind of... He could be the professor. He could be the, yeah, agreed. He, he could be the professor, I think. So, now we need the writer, so we need someone sort of intellectual-looking glasses, probably. Clive um, Owen. Clive Owen, there we go. Done. Film sorted. Brilliant. Put it in the can. Rat. It's because when go. Clive Owen plays smart and stops trying to uh, be be, oh, see, I love him when he's when he's being an action-packed bastard. So uh, I love him in Sin City. I'm going to absolutely love his ass 
in um, shoot 'em up. But may uh, regret saying that. <laughs> it might suck. <laughs> but sound bit. Well, no, no. I mean, you may regret saying it in so far as I'm going to love his ass. Yes, that will just take that bit out of the, <laughs> of the loop. Oh God. Okay, right. <laughs> It's never happening. And, uh, but. <laughs> so now we need the writer, so we need someone sort of intellectual with glasses, probably. Clive Owen. Well, see, I love him when, he, when he's being an action packed bastard, so. Uh, I love him in Sin City. I'm gonna absolutely love his ass in, um, Shoot 'em Up. I'm gonna love his ass. 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 His ass. His ass. Try going. Try going. Try going. Try going. Try going. It's not just his ass, it's the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole of him. All of him. The whole of him, so you can take that extra out of it as well. And it's a very manly man crush. I don't want to do gay things with him. I'd like to shoot bad guys 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 with him. I'm gonna love his. I'd like to shoot bad guys. I'd like to shoot bad guys. I'd like to shoot bad guys. But I'll be behind him when he's doing. Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Oh, see, I love it when he brings being an action packed bastard, so. Because <laughs> I love his ass. Love that man. Love that man, Oh, no, no, okay, right now. The aim of this is to clarify the established greatest films of all time, as in we will look at lists of other ones from other sources, and then offer up our own greatest films of all time. We'll each take turns citing the ten films we feel are the best of all time, though not necessarily our favourites, although a lot of mine crept in because they are one and the same. You can't help it. Yeah. We can then debate the relative merits of any that are contested, and at the end, we'll play some music while we debate uh, and then collate the data and establish which are the ten films that best represent the views of the Digital Cowboys as being the greatest films of all time. So, these are actually the ten best American films of all time, according to the American Film Institute. Is that right, Paul? Yes. Yeah, fine. Now, it's actually from their list of, is it a hundred? They, uh, they did one in 1988 and then re-updated it, luckily for us, in 2007. Judged by many, was it like a thousand or so um, American reviewers or people in the industry? Something in that sort of ballpark. Yeah. Okay. We're talking from one to ten. Citizen Kane, The Godfather, Casablanca, Raging Bull, Singing in the Rain, Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia, Schindler's List, Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz. So these are all... Classics. These are all, you know, pieces of, you know, marked cinema. They're, they're landmark films. Um, 
every single one of them is 30 years old, and at least, except for Schindler's List and Raging Bull's just two years shy of 30 years old. And, and, and no one could contest that those are absolutely landmark pieces of cinema. I would contest that they are the ten greatest films of all time. But ultimately, it's, it's not my vote, so there you go. Checking out the IMDb's uh, top ten greatest films of all time. These are as voted by everyone who votes for a film. Here you go. The Godfather, Shawshank Redemption, Godfather 2, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Pulp Fiction, Schindler's List, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Star Wars, Casablanca, Seven Samurai. Not markedly different from the AFI. Obviously, these guys would have allowed in uh, foreign films and non... um, Any of these not American? Nope, they're all American. <laughs> oh no, Seven Samurai. So, yay Japan. Okay, we're back with the results. So, in a sort of semi-rough order, these are the top ten greatest films of all time, as voted for by the Digital Cowboys. Okay. At ten, Donnie Darko. Nine, Before Sunset. Eight, Boogie Nights. 7. Garden State 6. The Matrix 5. The Lord of the Rings The Two Towers Extended Edition 4. Magnolia 3. Heat 2. Almost Famous and number 1. The only one voted for by all three of us so it's pretty much established as, as the greatest form of all time as considered by us it's got to be by process of elimination LA Confidential track down every single one of those films that you haven't seen and see them because it will be worth your while alternative list of everything you've been yeah ultimately yeah there, the re- there is a significant reason why we, uh, we didn't put The Godfather and uh, Citizen Kane into this uh, list of ten because we're trying to present an alternative as Tony says um, we, we think they're fantastic and we would put them in but we honestly do think that as if you're going to present an alternative list it should be these ones da 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 Oh God! I've just got in in uh, in brackets next to the Nintendo thing. Just just one word, lame. Okay, it starts off with a million smiles. One of those uh, adverts, basically going, "Look, we're making the world smile," and about a hundred people playing DS and Wii, and they're smiling. And it's so woman much with fun. the most fakest smile ever. Oh, you mean Cammy Dunaway? Lovely woman, yeah. So Cammy Dunaway comes out, and I don't want to say anything really nasty about her because I want a future in the industry, but she seemed to me just a trifle disingenuous. Somehow a little bit fake, a little bit kind of, uh, my son said to me when he sent me a Mother's Day card, I just, I just want, I, w- I got hives, and I wanted someone real to come up on stage and go, thanks, Cammy. Right, okay, so Nintendo, and just to really, you know, bring us back down to earth, because I felt that I had entered into a world of, I mean, even Disneyland isn't that sickly sweet. She just, she was like a step-toe wife. Uh, anyway, and then Carrot Top came out, and he was surfboarding, and uh, he was using his Wii board to <laughs> snowboard, and then Cammy joined in, and she was like, oh my god, I'm snowboarding, it's so good. And everyone sat with their heads in their hands, watching yeah. a grown woman acting like a child, and not in a good way. <laughs> she needed punching. Yeah. Um, as his name's Sean White, he just looks like Carrot Top, and he was like, hey, uh, this is almost as cool as real snowboard. I was like, yeah, get off and go play some hacky sack. President Satoru Iwata came out, I was like, oh, thank God, someone real, you know, just, please, Jesus. And then he went on and on about the paradigm shift. Yeah, I, I was going to say, this <laughs> is it. God. I reckon, I reckon, at the end, 
they had the Guinness Book of Records official come out and go, right, that is the most, most buzzed paradigm buzzed. has ever been used in a press conference ever. I think everyone recognizes that a big change, actually a true paradigm shift, has taken place in the global game market. When a true paradigm shift occurs, common sense doesn't seem to make as much sense anymore. What has really changed in this new paradigm? Informing new paradigms. But now, with a new paradigm, 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 even if it is revolutionary, sooner or later, people will become tired of a new form of entertainment. This happens faster when others try to reproduce the initial change. Then, what seems fresh inevitably will be lost. Thank you. Paradigm. But you need to remember, I mean, you should actually go into what the paradigm shift is. Basically, what he was saying is, we, we as Nintendo and all the other you know, companies out there have followed a, a route of making games for gamers. And this is so Suckers. far... No, this is so far brought us this amount. At Nintendo, we decided no longer to make games for gamers. We decided to make games for everybody else. Which aren't really games, they're kind of lifestyle, lifestyle <laughs> accessories <laughs> and, and whatnot. Games for gamers, we, lifestyle accessories for people with lives. But when we did this... These are the people realized, who tell us, oh, you're playing video games all the time. But, <laughs> but they suddenly realised when they did that, that Fuck. their profits went from a little bit to... Absolutely, we own every half Zillions. every country in the world. Bazillions, a ridiculous amount. So in many respects, they were right. But basically what they were saying is that we're no longer a game company because if we make games, they sell little amount. If we make Nintendogs, we sell huge amount. To make Zelda costs 50 million. To make Nintendogs costs 2 million. So why so would we go on to make Mario? Why, well, why make Lord of the Rings when you can make superhero movie? But one, one, one thing here, hang on. You're a game company. That's why you make Mario, which is which is all fine. You know, if they carry on making stuff for us, so if they carry on making a new Mario game, a new Zelda game, the stuff that we've come to rely on, that's all well and good. But the one thing they forgot to show in this conference was anything for that demographic. You predict that by the end of time, more people than there have ever existed in the world will own a Wii. Basically, it, it was kind of like a man on the 30th of October going, we've sold 10,000 pumpkins and it's only going to get better. <laughs> can, can I do a pull, actually? Do a if pull. Paul yes. wants to um, kill Peter Moore, can I kill Reggie? Oh! I've never understood the hype around Reggie. He stares into my eyes, he tells me a load of bullshit, he promises me the world, and he never delivers. I think he's he's stuck up, he's arrogant, and he's everything I actually hate about Nintendo now. But what normally happens in these things is there's always one guy that's willing to save us at the end of this this stuff, and that is normally Miyamoto. And he comes out and goes, look at this great Mario, look at this Zelda, look at this Pikmin, look at this Mario Kart, look at something. And we're always, you've thrown us a bone, thank God for that. Miyamoto's still to save the day like Mighty Mouse. And he comes in and he's got a pretend saxophone and you go, what's going on? And he goes... And you go, okay, this is funny. That's and then cute. some idiot with tufty hair turns up, actually slightly beforehand, and sort of starts banging away on the drums. And you think, oh, cool, right, he's going to do some sort of... Sort of a, like a real major drum routine, like a sort of Iron Maiden thing. And he doesn't. He just goes... Boom, 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 bo
And you go, oh god, this is awful. What is this? And then Miyamoto comes out and drops the biggest clangor of the night for me. In fact, the biggest clangor of the week. Nintendo's big new thing. Where after, after pouring scorn on their imitators, they come out with Nintendo's freeform jazz band. The best thing about this is there's like 18 different instruments that all sound roughly the same using... A MIDI device, yeah, terrible. Like, yeah, an old Bon Tempe organ-style keyboard producing, this is saxophone, this is euphonium, and the best thing about it, you don't need any skill. You don't need to follow any note charts. You don't need to train yourself. You don't need to dedicate yourself. It doesn't take any time. It doesn't take anything. You just have to press the buttons and pretend you're playing an instrument, and it'll sort of play some notes. Well, hang on. Hang on. I have a Fisher-Price toy that does that in my cupboard. Why yeah. <laughs> we have a kiddie piano that goes plinky, 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 and I'm sure you could probably get one that goes plink, 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 plink. I mean, let's, let's describe it. I mean, basically, you've had two Wii remotes. Uh, you can do the simulation of banging on the drums, and it makes that noise. <laughs> and you have a Wii board, you can bang your feet, and it'd be like a foot pedal, but there's no reason other than to do it, and it's sounding a bit crap. You can pretend to play instruments just using a singular device. It's actually a, a sweet little idea, and it would be not such a bad thing if it was one of their little just side things, and they don't make a big deal of it. It comes out, and yeah, it's fine. But this is what they're resting all our hopes on. Wii Music. But, it, I mean, it, it's fine. I mean, as a game, I, I don't particularly It's mind not it. a game. But yeah, it's I mean, clearly not a game. It's just... It's, it's just a selection a... of mini-games, which basically you go, look, play the guitar, and you go, I don't know, bling, 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 bling. It's not a game. <laughs> this was Miyamoto came out and went... I, the great man, Miyamoto, the developer I, the of man. Mario and Zelda and all these great games, this is my next masterpiece. And everybody in that auditorium went, you're fucking kidding me. This is your next masterpiece. This is trash. And it was the final blow to me realizing that Nintendo no longer cares about us gamers. And do you know what? I'm fine with that now. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. I'm sure come next year there will be maybe one or two more fun little Nintendo games. But why bother? They're going to make money elsewhere, and they really don't care. Good luck to them. I mean, the Wii has some good... Tony, go on. No, I was going to say, it just sounds like that Nintendo basically came out and said, we've got your money, thank you very much, good night. <laughs> that is exactly what they did. <laughs> if only they just done that. Bang straight on it. I mean, he, he, he doesn't say anything the whole podcast, but he gets it. Yeah, he gets it bang on. I mean, <laughs> okay, you've got well Mario done. Kart. You've got Mario Kart Wii. Uh, they've done. I said Wii Fit. Boom Blocks is great. Great game. Totally. That's a third party developer. Third party, but yeah, great game. So th- it's not as though there aren't this. Isn't this kind of thing on the Wii? It's just this. Wii, I, I don't know what. I mean, it was embarrassing to watch. I mean, okay, it's not necessarily. You don't necessarily look at your coolest all. Uh, you know, sat around there flailing around the plastic guitar, you know, particularly the old-style ones, which look like, uh, uh, you know, Fisher-Price toy-style-y thing. You don't, look, you don't really look all that cool because you use that stony-faced concentration on the note chart. Mm. But this, this was just embarrassing. It was, it was like, again, am I, am I, is this a, am I dreaming this? It was like seeing your parents trying to play Guitar Hero. Basically. It was horrid.
anyone. So for the future of the industry, this has to go into room one. Yeah. Is it going in? Yeah. In you go, you bastard. <laughs> okay, so, Paul, you want to go next? <laughs> Which one shall I start with, I suppose? Um, you shall start with uh, the intellectual thing. I, I have to know about that one. Okay, I, I must admit, I, I freely admit, I haven't put a hell of a lot of uh, thought into this. You surprise me, sir. Shock horror. I'm sure our listeners will be... Will be uh, I, I, I blame it on things like uh, hectic work week, uh, moving house, etc. But basically, over over the past couple of months, I mean, we, you know, we obviously do this podcast, but it's fair to say that we, we all listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of ones about video games, a lot of podcasts about video games that go on, in some cases, for, you know, nigh on three hours. Now... Between <laughs> our own. <laughs> now... Occasionally, I have found myself getting a bit. I'm sat on the tube in the morning. I'm, I'm just like a zombie, listening to the listening to these people blather on. Sat there, you know, looking around at all the people. It turns out the Northern Line apparently has the the hottest ladies. I've never seen any of them, but apparently they do exist. So you 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 basically you sat there. You, you haven't really got any eye candy to look at. So you just sat there, just you know. And there's these people wittering in your ear. Talking about, talking about, ah, oh God, you know, whatever, you know, a particular game that they like, I don't know, it could be, uh, Boom Blocks, it could be, you know, Fallout 3, like it's some, I don't know, sort of, sal- you know, work, work by Salvador Dali or something. Uh, and occasionally, it just, it's just great. I find it a bit grating sometimes. Is this other Boom Blocks? We're talking. I'm not going to go into any. I'm not going to point a finger at anyone. I'm not. I don't want. I don't want to do that. But just occasionally, I just feel as though. In, in, as is, I think, I think my take, my, my attitude has changed. When I was a lot younger, I was very, very sort of about film. I was always like, oh, it's an art, you know, it, film is, you know, it's, it's an art form. That's all it is. It's an art form that you can read anything into anything. Some, you know, you know what? I've changed my attitude. Sometimes a film is just a film. I still think film is an art form, just as I think video gaming can be an art form. But sometimes a game is just a fucking game. Get over yourself. Stop. <laughs> Stop wittering about it like it's some sort of uh, masterwork, Da Vinci-esque masterwork. And just play the fucking thing and enjoy it, you know? Just, it just, it just great, occasionally a bit grating. And I really, I really, I think that video games themselves, uh, you know, when people talk about, you know, th- does the story have a particular, you know, is it, there any, does it have any sort of parallels with stuff going on in, you know, in, in the real world? I mean, that's fine. I mean, film, film's done that for years. Films are more, more, more developed, developed art form in that regard. But really, m- most video games, it's about shooting the dude in the head or, Make it strumming the thing at the right time, or just you know, just having some fun with it. It's supposed to, I think, I think video games are supposed to be fun, uh, and sometimes these guys tend to completely extract the fun out of it, <laughs> and I find that a bit annoying. And it's it's not really, it's not really. You know, I think it's fi- I think it's fine. I just, I just, I, I just don't quite think video game, particularly video game storytelling. I don't think it's quite there yet. And does not to say it won't in the future. I hasten to add, but it's just, just. What I'd really say to these people, just play the game, enjoy it, have some fun with it, and stop stop trying to justify what you do for a living. There we go. I like that. That's a good rant. <laughs> um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back you on that one, Paul, even if I don't entirely agree. Tony? 
I, I, it's mostly right, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, I think everybody in every industry has the uh, the problem with that. And I, I think, like like Paul has pointed out, I think the film industry is uh, is a lot further down the line in maturity that maybe they do it less so now. But there are certainly reviews I've heard, and even some some people's opinions on on this very podcast. That sometimes I've just sat back in a gas and gone. You know what? It was just fun, but it wasn't anything more than that. Were we yeah. really trying to draw parallels into all these different other things in life? And, and, and Hang on. Um, you can't be talking about Paul, because he never ever intellectualises anything. So it must be about me. Take that as you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I'm also... you referring to, sir? When I'm also then? to blame with it, but I, I think the problem with games is that they are a um, still a... A fairly young format and kind of emerging into storytelling. And let's face it, I don't think any of us have played a game yet where it was like anywhere near up to snuff to a really, really good movie. So, but oh, it, it, oh, no, 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 no. Let me think about this one. It's, it's pretend. I think it's pretentious. It's, it's, it's a, a certain pretentiousness about it. Well, uh, and casey like, games fall into that themselves a anyway. Lofty, a loftiness that people bring to it uh, that I bring to bring to certain video games that I, I really don't think is 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 there. I don't think it's what the developers intended. I think imagine you, sit, you imagine you sit you sit there and think, well, the developers are going to be sitting and just going, what the, what the fuck is this guy? Doing? <laughs> so, um, you but, know, but on occasion, it's like, supposed to be fun. <laughs> I think on occasions, though, it, it is a good thing to do because, you know, the games as an art form have, have actually got to grow. And if we all just sat there and think, well, I just want to shoot guys in the head. That's all I'm going to be doing. Uh, then, no, you know, nah, no, but, uh, I, uh, but I thought about, I I thought about this. Yeah, go on. No, no, no I thought about this. The, the only thing, I, what I would say is where I think that kind of thing is going to come from is from this, this, this ever-growing, ever-developing indie market that, uh, that's being allowed to, allowed to grow and develop thanks to Xbox Live Arcade, PlayStation Network, Steam, etc. I think these, I think it's allowing, uh, much sm- smaller, mo- the, you know, the, the, the real new creativity that doesn't really... That you, I think it's okay, well, we're all cheesed off with these massive franchises. Give me, give me an example of a, a smaller game that's changed the way that you really think about something. I'm not necessarily saying it changes the way. What I'm saying, this is not. I'm saying I, I didn't. Act, this is the. Th- this is the point. I didn't say it was making me changing the way I think about it. I think. I think video games themselves are their the way in which uh, they they will they will have any kind of any kind of influence per se is to do more to do with the fact that uh, people can get new ideas out there through through uh, you know a, a small uh, having a small development. You think of, you think of the origins of a game like Portal in that. Well, I've completely forgotten the name of the, the, the game that originally was. You think of Everyday Shooter. You think of Flow. You, these are these are. I mean, Everyday Shooter is basically obviously a, a you know like geom- Geometry Wars, but it does it does the game itself the way it's done. I mean, it was created by one person basically. Uh, it's just it, that's the, that's the way gaming is going to. But that's be that's more of an artistic. Uh, yes, that's. Flair, that, that's Mm-hmm. That's that's the way gaming is, is going to. I think really that's the way the gaming is going to evolve at the moment. I just don't think the I don't think the storytelling and things like that is, is quite up to snuff yet. But there's nothing I've really sat there and thought, wow, what a totally fucking amazing story. There's, there's been games where I've enjoyed it because it's sort of pulp noirish, sort of, you know, Max Payne type kind of kind of game. I've enjoyed. Oh, did you see the trailer for that? Hellboy. I have not. No. Ah, uh, it was on Hellboy before Hellboy Two. It actually, looks not terrible. Well, but I could be wrong. Anyway, totally. I, I I think more of my issue is um, I I think. All this stuff has to be there. I mean, something like Gears of, Gears of War, you know, they had a pretty mu- you know, rubbish story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but it was a great shooter. And, you know, a lot of people labelled that as, you know, oh, but the story is shit and stuff like that. And I just wanted to say, get over it, because the fucking shooting section of that game is better than anything I've played before. Where, but, you know, 
there's still room for Gears of War 2 to have a really good story for it to actually interact with me in a completely different way than the first one done. And that's just through pressure of people talking on the net and, and you know, the reviews coming up and going, well, the story's a bit crap. Maybe if they push further on that, it may be good. So, I, you know, I think you have to kind of talk about this stuff, but, you know, it's still an emerging format. I mean, I, I, from what I've seen in the last couple of years, certainly in the newer generation consoles, you know, stories that are, are going to be as good as um, film stories are starting to work their way into stuff. I mean, it's easy to bring up something like Metal Gear Solid. Oh, you know, damn it. I knew you were going to say it before. That, that in, but in, in the way that it's completely over the top, but it, it does so many things like, Almost right to make it a really fantastic story, but it doesn't, you know, it drops the ball on too many I'd say that uh, the story from Metal Gear Solid is fucking awesome. The direction and the editing need some work. Yeah. If they could boil it down a bit, stop going... Don't. Why take 20 minutes over something when you could do it in three? But the point is, good attempt, and, you know, they're starting to pick there, because, you know, the way to actually um, tell a good story, I think, is coming, for, you know, is, is coming leaps and bounds. I mean, something like Lost Odyssey, I was actually completely wrapped up in the story, really wanting to find out what the hell happened to these characters. Mm. So I think there's there's room for it to, to happen, but occasionally, yeah, sometimes I've played a racing game and I've heard people intellectualize a racing game, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, just tell me whether it's, it drives around the track dude or not. And that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's basically... The but on the other hand, I, I wouldn't want to be sitting here and saying, you know what, I don't want to intellectualise games because I think games are, are more fascinating uh, medium, well, the, one of the most fascinating mediums that are coming through uh, more so than both film and music and TV put together, I think, you know... Well, there's more it, new developments in games. Exactly, I mean, yeah. the, the, how far that, more can you go with music, really? It's there's, there's that, always going to be fantastic new music coming out, but it's not going to be changing the way you listen to music, you know? No, but, you know, something like Half-Life 2 and, and its new episodes, I think, prove a way that, you know, uh, interacting with a story within inside a game and not necessarily bringing it out to a cutscene, all that kind of stuff, you know, starts to really you know, make you feel for the characters that you're actually, you know, playing with. And I think all that stuff is good, so, you know, I want to see more just, of that as well. It's, I, I, I just want to see, I'm, I'm keener to see the... Uh, you know the, these emerging, uh, emerging, mar- these emerging type things that you know. I mean, obviously, the XNA thing which is launching. Uh, I don't know when, when that's launching. I can't remember when that's launching, but yeah, um, full. Full. So I assume it's part of the in the new dashboard, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of thing. I mean, you, when you when you hear that, what was that game? The the, the bloody one. What was it called? Um, dishwasher. Dishwasher. Apparently, you can use the Guitar Hero guitar. Too. Is it Samurai Dishwasher? Yeah, Samurai Dishwasher. Yeah, brilliant. That that, that kind of thing. Yeah, bring it on, bring it on. Okay, so are we putting this in room one hundred and one? I don't know. I'm behind it. Well, I am. So oh, that's two, two, two. Uh, no, I, I want the intellectualization of games uh, to push it forward. But hey, you know, if you have to stick it in, stick it in. No, I think we're going to need a unanimous vote of all three of us. So sorry, Paul. Is that all right? <laughs> okay. I think it just basically there's there's got to be a proper vote of all three of us with with three judges. So yeah. Okay. It's the only fair. I mean, you can say no to Tony. So uh, and I will. <laughs> Out of spite, Tony. Exactly. Go. My cock is much bigger than yours. My Take out, take out, take out. 
1989. It's September. A new handheld is being released. Any guesses? It's not the Game Boy. No. It's the Atari Lynx. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the Game Boy came out pretty much at the same time. Uh, only the Atari Lynx cost $190 to the Game Boys, as I said before, $109. The world's first colour handheld. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard this before, but apparently it fo- followed up the unsuccessful Atari Touch Me. I wonder why that was not successful. <laughs> never heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, neither have I. In fact, weirdly, it's actually sort of, it's in red letters on uh, Wikipedia. I, I, once again, I apologise for using Wikipedia as mainly as my tool for research here. Some of this needs citation. It's in red letters, which basically means there's no file on it. So, clearly the Atari Touch Me was not a wild success. Developed by Epix before it went to Atari. Basically, these guys made California games. And then they, they then farmed it out to Atari because they, they couldn't really get it off the ground. They didn't have the marketing clout. So they clearly thought, right, who knows what the, what games are about? Well, clearly Atari, because Sega were doing their own thing, Nintendo had done their own thing, so that, you know, that I suppose it kind of makes sense, maybe, if sort mm. of, yeah. It's the uh, world's first ambidextrous handheld. That's a rather spurious claim to fame. If, if you were left-handed, and many people are, um, oh, by the way, I've got to mention this on a side note, um, a, f- a friend of mine at work said, uh, oh, did you know I'm left-handed? And I found out that if you're left-handed, it meant that you were uh, a, a twin in the womb, but then uh, you, the, the, your, your twin died. And, and then you're left-handed. Is that, really? So does that mean that all twins in the world, one of them's right-handed, one of them's left-handed? She went, um, maybe. But, right. I'm going to take that bit of uh, information with a pinch of salt. But all of you guys, go out, go out there and research it and send us your findings. I'm, I'm going to call that rubbish. Yeah, that sounds like bollocks. <laughs> Even identical twins, you don't get, like, one's left and one's right. So, anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, you know, citation needed. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, if you you were a lefty, the Atari Lynx was clearly for you. Unless, of course, you wanted a good games console, in which case it probably wasn't. Uh, It had a Comlinx system. Comlinx, see what they did there? Mm -hmm. Which meant up to 17 players could network, which usually was down to about 8 players. Uh, and in all seriousness, if you could find 17 people who have the back let's remember, this was back in, what, 1989? There was no internet. There was no way of finding... I mean, you'd have to put an ad in the paper saying, Wanted friends who like Atari Lynx. Please come and meet me on the playing fields. Uh, and something. And, yeah, you could uh, you could link up. It, you could do it. Didn't mean it was it done happen. often. Originally, it was supposed to be infrared power, but then they went to cable because it was too complicated. But, again, they were trying to pioneer what, um, you know, Nintendo DS is doing very well at the moment. Uh, I remember it, seeing Lynxes. I, I remember playing one in a Dixon's. I went in, and they I, I played on the NES for a bit, and then the uh, security guy came along, mm. and I was like, Son, you've been on that thing for like half an hour. Are you going to buy one? Uh, nope. And then I moved three feet down and started playing the links. And he didn't bother me about that one because clearly he was like, oh, yeah, give it a go. Someone's got to play it. Um, yeah. All I remember was the screen was really dark. It actually did have a backlight, but for some reason I couldn't get it turned on. Um, and it was a really crappy beat-em-up, as I recall. I just remember it being huge. It was huge. Like a brick, literally like a house brick with a screen carved out in the middle. It, interesting uh, f- footnote on the hugeness of it. Uh, right, listen to this. Focus groups wanted a bigger unit because it gave them more for their money. All right. Yeah. Atari, do not listen to focus groups ever. They don't know shit about shit. 
this is clearly something developed outside of Japan. These guys were, the, you know, J- Japan were the ones who were like, Turbo Graphics, let's make it nice and small. Atari were the ones going, oh, let's make it huge. So big that a backpack would have difficulty getting one in. More for your money. That's the That's mental. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> it could handle polygons and sprite scaling. It had a backlight. Um, there was a, uh, after, after it was unpopular for the first year, surprise, surprise, uh, there was the Atari Lynx 2 release, which allowed battery saving by turning off the backlight. Wow, who'd have thought that that would be an option as opposed to enforced? Uh, it also upped the mono to stereo on the headphone jack. Oh, wow. And dropped the price to $99. Why, why did they think that mono would be okay for headphones? And, and yeah, anyway, $99, $10 less than Game Boy. Do you think that sales improved? No. No, they didn't. Mm. Right, and then the Game Gear came out in 1991, which had known games, and it had, you know, a decent software um, maker behind them. Obviously very arcadey. It ate batteries, same as the Lynx, but at least people knew what was coming. They knew Sonic, they knew Streets of Rage, they knew yeah. Super Monaco GP, and basically it was the bullet in the head of this thing. In 2008, Atari was honoured at the 59th Annual Technology and Engineering Emmy Awards for pioneering the development of handheld games with its Lynx game unit. Sounds like a booby prize, but, um, yeah, okay, fair enough. Best games, Blue Lightning, Desert Strike. Uh, I must add, by the way, that Desert Strike was excellent on the Mega Drive and the SNES as well, but, you know, looking through this list of games like Super Squeak and Kung Food, I had to pick one out that was any good. Um, Units sold less than half a million. How many, do you remember how many of the Game Boys sold? Uh, Isn't it stupid? It's more than that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's stupid. It's well up in the, like, the 60s million type thing. It's 119 yeah. million. I mean, that's a failure. We have our first absolutely catastrophic failure it's here. sold how much? 500,000? 500,000. Um, the reason it failed, expensive and complicated to program for... No third-party developers due to lack of game sales. Same again. Uh, lack of retailer backup, four-hour battery life, weighty machine, the focus group thing. Uh, and the Game Boy was a handheld... Oh, here's the other thing, yeah. The Game Boy was a handheld NES. Lynx wasn't a handheld anything. Basically, it, Game Boy was, was building on the massive success of the NES, and, and the Lynx came out of nowhere. It's kind of... In the same way as the Xbox shouldn't really have succeeded, it shouldn't really have... You know, it shouldn't... Yeah. couldn't succeed. Um, I'm actually still amazed that the Xbox did well at all because, it, well, we'll do the Xbox in another episode, but um, yeah. yeah, there are various problems with the damn thing. Anyway, um, price on eBay. I'll link they can't be worth anything. Um, £28.50. 20 quid. <laughs> it's worthless. You could, in fact, the amount of games that were released on, you probably get the entire Link's lineup for just a couple of hundred quid, if that. If that. So, uh, yeah, um, go, go find if you want it, but, uh, I only get it for your collection if, I mean, in all seriousness, nostalgia is probably the main reason to go back and get one. If uh, I never played one, I can't say if it was good or bad. There must, there, there were still a cult following of, you know, Lynx fans out there, I'm sure, but, uh, they'd be in the minority. Ugh. Anyway. Sisters and my brothers still I will 
welcome to the Digital Cowboys, episode 75, dated Thursday the 16th of October. I'm your host, Tony Atkins. I'm Alex Shaw. And I'm Paul Shotton. Hang on. This is weird. Yeah, we thought we'd mix this up. Um, I mean, Alex has been hosting for... 74 episodes. 74 episodes. Being this is 75, that would make sense. So, yes. Plus um, bonus ones. Uh, you, you'll all find out why in particular a moment, and it's not something that I don't think is going to carry on, but it's, it's, you know, this is the way it is for today, and we shall see how it goes. Indeed. So, I'm your host, Tony Atkins. <laughs> and I'm still Alex Shaw. And that I, I think I'm still Paul Shotton. Oh, okay. So what's today's episode about, Tony? Right, today's episode uh, is about community. Uh, community in, in games in general, um... So, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, uh, if PC had a community, I'd go to Steam. <laughs> Should we go with Steam? That's a pretty good community. Uh, um, we'll talk about PC community at some point later, but there's a couple of aspects of it that I'd really like to go into. Yeah, I think, and I think it's usually tends to be sort of narrowed down to a particular it's game. A single yeah. yeah. Platinum one that kind of uh, springs to mind, but anyway. Yes, well, one immediately springs to mind. Yeah. Age of Conan. I think the reason why I'm suddenly hosting this show is because Alex, I, I think, is under the belief that I'm, I'm, I'm fairly deep into community gaming, and uh, you know, it's, it's the one thing I talk about constantly. So he wants me to spare this show, so we'll see how it goes. I have um, total faith in you. Indeed, I don't. But hey, <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> so easy, just sitting there listening, Paul. And then yes, I know. I know, I enjoy it. That's why I do it. That's why I do it that way. <laughs> okay, what, what drove you to, to really think about this hard time? So back into like, the serious re- reasons, right. Um, the reason this, this podcast has primarily come up, um, or this episode of the podcast has primarily come up, is that um, unfortunately, about three weeks, three weeks ago, we, um, we lost a friend on Xbox Live. Um, he unfortunately passed away. I'm not going to go into the circumstances on, on this show, but um, it was a very sad moment. Uh, his name is Davis, and... Um, a lot of people reacted to it um, quite strongly, and surprisingly so. I mean, this is a person where we've never met them in real life, um, but we had been speaking to him. He's a, a long-standing member of Xbox Live, and he had been on there for well, as long as the service is going, which is what I guess four years, five years, mm. five years. Mm. Yeah, around. Um, so you tend to get to know people and uh, their opinions, and we've had many, many uh, a late-night chat of three or four hours and not playing any games, so you get to know personalities. And so when this news was given to us, um, it was taken in, in a rather odd way, and I was trying to grasp why I was, why me personally was struggling with it so much. You know, once again, this wasn't the person I met, so why was this a big thing? And I think it's, it's the way that... Um, Games have now progressed, where the community is the central hub to everything, and, and you know he was a, a big part of that. And suddenly finding out he wasn't going to be there, just not on your friends list because he's decided to quit gaming to go and take up a hobby of sport or something. He's you know he, he, he's died, and um, a lot of people reacted. And uh, this is our dedication, I guess, to to him, and you know just to say you know thanks for the good times, and uh, to the people that knew him. Uh, this, I guess, you know. It's it's part of our, our see. I don't want to say grieving because that's going to bring the, the show down to a horrible thing, but a celebration of the guy's yeah. life because you know yeah. it's, tri- it was, it's, it's a tribute. It's a tribute yeah. to Davis. This is a tribute, exactly. Sorry, I got this song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so finishing I, on that song, but yeah. <laughs> no. So yeah, um, you know, he's a big fan of Weezer. So if you're going to do finish on anything, put Weezer in there. I will put some Weezer. So uh, yeah, his funeral is today. So um, you know, good luck, mate. 
enjoy the afterlife rocking rocking out because he was a big rock fan so there you go Welcome everybody to Digital Cowboys Video Games, episode 88, dated Friday the 16th of January 2009. And as you may have noticed, that's a slightly different introduction. My name is Alex Shaw. I'm Paul Shot. a bit confused, but anyway, never mind. <laughs> I'm Tony Atkins. Well, I shall allay your confusion there, Paul. Um, okay, explain it to me. Eagle-eared listeners, or I suppose, was it Ears of the Wolf? Right, wolf-eared listeners may have noticed uh, that uh, I we missed out uh, movies there. Since episode one onwards, we've uh, been doing movies and video games, and uh, in recent times, we've just figured it, it's kind of time for a change. We're going to talk about that in just a second as to why we changed. But I'm just going to go over quickly what you can be expecting us, uh, in the future. We've re- reformatted the show to shift our focus from both movies and video games to just pure video games with maybe the odd movie mentioned now and again. Changes you'll be seeing include name change from Digital Cowboys Movies and Video Gaming Podcasts to just Digital Cowboys Video Games. No more film reviews in the core episodes and that means no more talking about films you've, you know, never heard of and probably never will and, you know, uh, it's... Lots and lots of our previous episodes, we've talked about some fairly esoteric films and gone into you know, alarming amounts of detail on them. And ultimately, we, we kind of need to focus as a uh, show if we need to get anywhere. Um, and while we've always enjoyed being the one podcast that looks in almost equal abundance in uh, to films and video games, it can't have escaped to anybody's attention that we've been doing a lot more video games recently and a lot less films. And also, significantly, it's really tough to marry those two audiences together. So... Uh, we're also doing less emphasis on scoring in our discussions on current, current games. Again, we're not a review website, and uh, not officially anyway, <laughs> and uh, we don't get sent review copies of games. We have to play them on our own, and a lot of the time buy them on our own. It takes us quite a long time to finish a game, by which point we have to try and you know get the review done in that one episode, and it could be weeks sometimes before we actually get to review the game. Tony's found it specifically because he tends to finish games so very quickly. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I've had more difficulty, and Paul has supreme difficulty, even in some cases opening the box. Mirror's Edge. So we're still going to talk about video games even more now than uh, before, and especially what we've been playing. But there's less emphasis on reviewing them because ultimately, it's we can do more than just review them. We can talk about them in depth without just giving a a few brief paragraphs on to whether you should buy this or not. And ultimately, you can get more, I believe, of an in-depth look at the uh, the game from from that point of view. This this also means that we're not all like obliged to. Play the same games at once. It's like, like Paul, why haven't you played Mirror's Edge? Why haven't you played Mirror's Edge? Because you know he d- he doesn't have time. <laughs> and why haven't I played Lips? I, f- I don't know. Do you even have it? No. Well, it's no, well, they, you know, they, they, I own Mirror's Edge. You, you, you know, so I don't really have an excuse. You have an excuse. You don't have Lips. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last week we got mentioned on Games with Jobs podcast by the producer Rob Borges. It cannot fail to uh, have crossed the attention of at least half of you because our numbers doubled. I gotta say, I mean, we, we went from three listeners to six in, in, in one day. Thank you, Rob. No, seriously, it was, it was a few more than three, but less than we'd like. And wow, thank you so much, Gamers with Jobs. Um, if for those of you who didn't hear that one, it sounded a little bit like this. 
So, yeah, one thing I did want to do before um, we go is uh, we got an email uh, last week uh, from a group of guys uh, that do a podcast called Digital Cowboys, and I actually listened to it. And if you guys are big fans of English accents uh, like I am, uh, <laughs> they're great. Uh, the show, they're intelligent. They, know what they, they seem to know what they're talking about, and they've got a good chemistry with each other. Uh, and, and I know there are a lot of video game podcasts that went down the drain recently, so you might be looking to pick some others up. These guys got a good podcast. Uh, the audio quality isn't that great, but they're like, you know, one of the reasons why they sent us an email was for some help on that. So hopefully that'll get better soon, and and uh, it'll be a, a really good show. And it's like an hour long, so it's not going to be like you know a huge time commitment for anybody. Um, yeah, lots of fun. Definitely yeah. wanted to so give them we'll, a shout we'll, out. We'll drop a link to uh, their Digital Cowboys video. Yeah, it's like digitalcowboys.libsyn. Yeah, it's on Libsyn. Same place we are, actually. That's where we host our podcast, too. Yeah. So they like our British accents. So uh, let's uh, be extra British in this episode. It just was slightly bizarre listening to it. I was standing <laughs> in the post office, and I was listening to it going, hang on, they're talking about the thing I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slightly, um, surreal, slightly surreal experience. but uh, it, it was very odd. I mean, I'm a big fan of their show for many, many years. And, um, yeah, just to hear. I was like, wow, that's that's us. Anyway, we don't have British accents. We just have... Yeah, we're, we're English, yeah. We're, yeah. we're British, yeah. So would yeah. you say it was ripping, chaps? Would you say it's rather fantastic? Cup of tea. Yes, cup of char. Okay, right. Once again, thank you so much, Rob, for your efforts to help improve our show. Our most recent episodes have been receiving, well, as I said, 100% more listeners as a direct result of that shout-out. One person who listened in and emailed us was a fellow Brit named Chris O'Regan, better known as Kropotkin. Now, you already mentioned the N-Gage, yep. which is, is not dead. Contrary to popular belief, it is, not it is now a software platform for a variety of devices, which is based on the Symbian 60, I think, operating system, um, as opposed to the iPhone, which has got its own operating system, of course. Um, now, they have been pushing various games, and they're supported by mainstream publishers, like EA and um, um, Activision and that sort of thing and, and, and Capcom and all these people are making games for Engage. I feel like we're gathered around a fire watching the Scoutmaster at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just all right. I'm still starstruck, you know. <laughs> so, so Tell us again, yeah. Arkayla. Rock Band 2 this week. Oh, yeah. Obviously, people don't really care about why, you know, whether I was playing Rock Band 2 or not, but I did something uh, which some people would probably class as slightly insane. I decided to go for the achievement, what's it called? Bladder of Steel? Bladder of Steel, Steel, yeah. The Bladder of Steel achievement, which. Before you start this one, Tony, do you want to make it a one minute rant? Sorry, uh, I gave Paul two minutes, so do you want to make it a two minute rant? I'll set it up first. Okay. So I I went for the Bladder of Steel achievement, which was basically play the endless set list 2. Um, all the way through without any breaks. Um, so, 
which is 85? 84 songs. So you 80 can't pause or anything. or fa- You can't pause or fail a song. Can't pause, fail a song or do anything. 84 uh, songs. How many hours does it take? About six and a half hours. Six and a half hours. So six and a half hours non-stop. And I decided I was going to do this on uh, hard drums because I wanted to get the... The other achievements for do, uh, completing the MS at least and a half. That's over a month's worth of Digital Cowboys podcasts listened to back to back. Well, yeah, when you put it like that. So anyway, I set out on this this grand task, and um, I I don't know for like I, I played twenty songs, and suddenly my bladder was starting to to ache and groan. I was like, oh my god! So I believe about twenty five songs. Now, have you started the rent yet? No, I'll, I'll get to my rent. <laughs> this is the rent <laughs> preamble. Uh, 25 songs in, I decided, okay, I'm desperate for the loo. So I decided that the song to do it and, uh, you know, it, it coming towards the end. There's a big rock ending. I rushed from there, upstairs, went to the loo, managed to go back in time and, you know, hadn't actually managed to fail the next song, carried on playing. And I did this another further one time. Now, I got to song number 82. Okay, before you carry on, what is wrong with just a bucket? I know it's I, disgusting, but if you want that achievement, why were you endangering it by running upstairs to the toilet? I am a human being who uh, refuses to pee Dogs in a bucket. Dogs don't go own. in a bucket. They go in, in my the own living room. Jesus Christ, man. I'll just wear a nappy instead. In fact, <laughs> in the drum stool. Who cares? That brings new <laughs> meaning to the term drum stool. The rant will start now. Okay, go. Right, so I was doing perfectly fine. I got all the way up to song 82, I believe that would be, uh, which was Panic Attack. Is that right, yeah. Paul? Dream Panic, Panic Attack. Attack. Now, I'd previously got through two or three other songs that I absolutely, uh, really, really just, ugh, just can't do, but actually managed to get through them, so I was really, really proud of myself. Panic Attack, me and that song have had, you know, confrontations in the past, but it's not, it's a song I can do perfectly fine. Um, anyway. The Panic Attack, about 6 hours and 25 minutes into my wonderful marathon, and I fail the fucking song. <laughs> 99.9992% in. In fact, I saw the last two notes, but I didn't make it to the end. I had a brain freeze for some fucking reason, with two notes remaining on that song, and it went red, and it, it knocked me out. I can't fucking believe it. I missed Six and a half hours of my life going for one achievement, and I fucked up two minutes from the end. I probably probably, probably shouldn't play drums on hard trying to go for that achievement. Uh, I was physically assaulted. I had sweat. I needed a shower for about a week afterwards. And um, to say that I nearly threw my drum kit through the window would have been an understatement. <laughs> I went on and actually finished the, uh, went back and played the song straight away and got through it no problem. So I don't know what the fuck I was doing and finished the last final set list and got my achievement for just playing on hard. Fan fucking fantastic, but I ah ah six and a half hours. <laughs> there we go. I don't think I've ever heard you that animated. Yeah, I've never. You don't even say the f you word. You are Mr. Relaxed. You. It takes I, a lot, and you have Lord. you still have a spare fifteen seconds, son, if you want to use them. I promised myself I'd never get upset about achievements because I used to do that in the past, and I've decided not to anymore. That came very close to me actually breaking something. In fact, lucky I had a uh, an iron drum kit because I probably would have snapped the old one in half. Actually, <laughs> ain't hard. There's but a no, I, for the box. On top of that, I just you know you probably shouldn't sit there and play drums for six and a half hours straight in in any way, shape, or form because ultimately it's going to be bad for your health. But you heard it from a sane man, folks. <laughs> to to get that close and see it just just drop past, I've never felt so bad in my life. At least you didn't wet yourself. 
Whatever, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm well over it now. I don't care. to have with us this week, the host of Game Hounds, Edie Sellers. Edie, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you? I'm doing cracking. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> doing cracking. Okay, but a, a little explanation as to who you are. I mean, what, what is Game Hounds, just for all of our listeners who've never heard it? It's a podcast. It's a podcast uh, from the United States. I'm uh, located outside of San Francisco. My co-host is, actually I have two co-hosts. Cooper Hawks, who lives outside of Boston, and Commander Tim, who lives in uh, Minneapolis. And we have two shows a week. One is our regular uh, Game Hounds episode on Sundays. That it's just it's a discussion that goes regularly off the rails in very hilarious ways. But it's mostly discussing the news and views and commentary of whatever's going on in the week in the in the gaming world. And then uh, we have a midweek show that actually has a number of hosts that come in and give mini-shows. I call them pods. They offer commentary and opinion and reviews, so you kind of get, and there's also a release calendar, so everything that you want for the midweek as far as what's coming up in a half an hour. We try to service both masters, time and content. Interesting you should talk about these pods. They sound like the sort of thing we'd be quite good at, wouldn't you say, Tony? We could have a go. Yeah, we could have a go. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later on, maybe. So coy. No, I've already announced it. It's out in the out in the in the blogosphere. Okay, well, announce it. Sphere. Announce it to our listeners who don't know yet. Um, the Digital Cowboys are going or are the latest additions to the Game Hounds Hump Date on Wednesdays. Sometimes comes out on Thursdays, and it's going to start next week. And uh, you're not going to be there every week because we don't try. We try not to burn out people. But you're going to be giving us the UK perspective and a bit of UK news in our hump date. And I'm so excited. As are we. Woo and indeed, who? <laughs> so, first up, Edie. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, why do all American gamers seem to hate GameStop? Video game stores predated GameStop. And they will post-date GameStop. Very true. The problem is, is that when you have an entire, pretty much an entire industry, because game, in many cases, GameStop is the only video game store for a hundred square miles. Um, that would be about. It's not well, like that. You can, we, we have, I mean, every town these days, I mean, it's relatively big, has a game, and most British towns. I don't know if you've ever been here. Um, are, are like. 10, 20 miles apart, so you don't have to go far to find a game. And right. nearby there'll be an HMV, nearby there'll be a Woolworths. Eh, no more Woolworths. Okay, so it's the market yeah, is actually closing up. But there's an Argus. There's plenty of places to get games. But game do operate on the same second hand being. I mean, they they control off, second yeah. monopoly in the same right. way. But they, the funny thing, and in, when in, you have one company that is presenting a monopoly of buying back games, <clears> then the one company can set the price. Games actually, I believe, have an intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. And when you have multiple companies that are competing to buy your copy of Call of Duty, the price of the co- of, of Call of Duty will go up. Now they're not going to be able to. I should say the buyback price. They're yes. not going to be able to sell it for any more, and what it's going to do is it's going to cause an overall shrinking of the game market. 
of the, mm-hmm. the, I should say, the gain profit margin, which it should be when you're looking at 400%, in some cases 500% pure profit on a purchase of a used game. Yeah, I think that there is some wiggle room, and I don't, and I think that any whinging that's being presented by companies is just, you know, outright not appreciating the fact that they had it good for many, many years, and now there's going to be some competition. I don't know if you have Toys R Us. We do. I don't know if you've, if you're in. We have uh, Amazon as well. (laughs) Right, but does your Amazon, is your, is your Amazon also doing the, uh, I don't believe so yet. Although, ultimately, we do tail behind you guys by several years, but it may, it might happen. I tell you yeah. the, the one thing that they do in the UK, which is funny. There's GameStop and there's also GameStop. There's Game and there's also a place called Game Station, and basically which is one, the ghetto version of Game. Which is basically yeah, it's the geeky version. It's like the cool indie version. But the funny thing is they're owned both by the same company. What Game <laughs> basically have done is gone. If you want the corporate s- stuff, here's Game. If you want some, if you want to go somewhere and kind of chat with the guys about games and whatnot, here's this place. But you know. Their only competition is themselves, so they just they discount and then trade up higher and lower. And quite often, a same a town will have game and game station. A lot of people don't know they're owned by the same company, so they just get away with it. That way, they cover both sides of the market. I love, I love that idea. Actually, I we I would love to have something like that because all we have is the corporate, impersonal, buy the game kid place that every time you walk up to the counter if you try and buy a game do you want to buy a pre-order do you, oh See, absolutely. that's game in the uk yeah i remember uh, you know what you need to do to get your first taste of gamestop is you need to make a skype call <laughs> and record it because <laughs> i've heard them in the past yeah i um, might call it gamestop anyway. just to hear what it's like to, to and think about this poor guy that is making minimum wage and our So is it what? Hello, welcome to GameStop. Well, the game that's been out this week is Call of Duty World at War. Would I like to interest you in a guide? But you haven't even... He After 20 minutes of telling you what they've got on offer, you're like, hi, what time are you open till? Yeah? yeah. Okay, and of course, just one then question. They, they just say it all in one word, which is it's completely unintelligible. It's freaking awesome. Do you, do you know what she's doing here? Because she's on the clock and we're paying her like you know, $50,000 an hour, well, a minute... <laughs> Um, she's like a taxi driver. She's going to take you the long way round. Oh, yeah. And eventually we're going to run out, you know, get two questions down. And she's such a good long way round. Lady, mm-hmm. we like being in your cab. Right. Okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and make the next question a no, one. That was a question, answer. that was a question I've always wanted to ask. And there you go. I've got Thank it back. Thank you, Tony.
and we're very proud to have on the show this week's special guest, Daniel Floyd. Now, hey, folks. <laughs> I don't want to do you an injustice, Daniel, with an inaccurate introduction, so tell the boys and girls exactly what it is you do. Well, right now I'm a student who's studying animation and hoping to get work somewhere, but, but the reason I'm here today is because I make some videos on YouTube now and then, and uh, they're just kind of little... I guess they're just lectures, just little small lectures that are done just kind of in a nice, easy, humorous way, just talking about video game issues or really whatever James Portnow writes to me and talks about. So, uh, who said it? I think it was Lee Alexander wrote in a blog once that uh, intimacy might be the best place for games to start approaching sex. Just that's it kind of creates an environment, just it sets up meaningful interactions between characters, and it has a lot more. Just, it's a lot more powerful than just sex by itself. Sex itself isn't nearly as meaningful without the intimacy that is attached to it. And games like like the one I, example I used in the video of uh, just like holding hands with Yorda in the game Ico, it's, there's nothing actually sexual about it, but you kind of get a sense of a really meaningful connection between those characters, and it's just, it's kind of cute, and it's also just really sweet, and you can just, you can just kind of actually feel a connection, and it has impact. Totally. Which, yeah. I, I think obviously BMX XXX doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also a problem of, of game design in, in general. I mean, I mean, you, you talk about the sex, and you, if you go the full, the full, you know, end product of something like Mass Effect or Indio Prophecy, you know, there, there's a hell of a lot of work to actually drive it to there. I mean, ultimately, you, the idea is you're going to care about somebody, um, and you know, it's, I just think as a, a medium and, and graphical medium, it's very hard to actually um, necessarily relate to somebody that amount that amount to actually feel for them. I mean, remember the darkness actually where you just sit down and watch T V with your girl. Oh, can't believe I didn't think of uh, um, Yeah. Yeah, there's no no sex involved there, but it's just a really touching moment. In fact, you know, I sat there for you know, a five or six minutes just watching what was what was the programme on it? It was a, t- a film or something, wasn't it? God, uh, you can change the channel, but uh, she uh I think she said t- I, I think I just let her, you know, choose the film but uh yeah, and th- that's just as just as powerful as anything in in Mass Effect. I just, you know, it's it's the subtleties, and I think you know something like um, Yoda in in Ico is is a Yoda, perfect, uh, Yoda, Yoda in um, I come over here, you will. Ico is a perfect example of that, where it doesn't always have to be about you know the end game. It can be just be these these small glances. Yeah, I guess the tricky part is that it's just it's asking for games to be subtle, and subtlety isn't something that this medium has done very well so far. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. I was looking at it a little bit this afternoon. It's a, a new role-playing video game that is leaving nothing to the imagination. Mass Effect is what it's called. Full uh, digital nudity. Imagine. And the ability for the players to engage in graphic sex and the, the person who's playing the game gets to decide exactly what's going to happen between the two people, if you know what I mean. Now, the game is rated M for mature. Basically, the box, Pandora's box is open. I mean, kids have access to these things, and unless you're hovering over them every second, they're going to find ways to see this stuff uh, on the Internet. How damaging is it, really? Well, the thing is, you know, it's the, the whole concept of, like, 13-year-olds have never seen Playboy because they're not supposed to. It's that idea that, I mean, let's, let's talk about who the video game is for. It might be for for adults, but if you look at the statistics, who is playing video games but adolescent males, not their dads? So that's the first thing. The damage is this. We know that all the research shows that violence has a... um 
desensitizing effect? Well, sexuality does too, because this is when the developing mind is happening. This is when they're first deciding who they're going to be, who their identity is. This is when social development is happening. And here's how they're seeing women. They're seeing them as these, as these objects of desire, as these, you know, hot bodies. I mean, they don't... I have not played this game. People that have played it know this. This is a sort of a choose-your-own-adventure story, and it doesn't force you down in any situation. You can actually play through this game without the sexual situation ever happening. Right, and the young the boys game. are going to be choosing not to have sex. That'll be what they'll choose. I mean, no, let's be realistic. It's not, it's not here. a simple it's choice, but Cooper, it's not a simple choice. You don't turn to the game and says, "Would you like to have sex or not?" It's through the evolution of a relationship with characters and the fact that this game has incredible artificial intelligence and you can actually fall in love in this game. And it's the it's just like modeling your life. And I think that's a much more powerful form of media. Darling, i got to go with the research. And the research says there's a new study out of University of Maryland right now that says that... Who can argue, possibly, that, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker meets Debbie Does Dallas is a good thing. It's not. It's just not good. And I'm definitely yeah. not going to let uh, Mass Effect in my house. We live in a day and age where our children are not... Always supervise. Yes. I'm not sure why it didn't get an adult-only rating. That's the highest rating that it can have. So, first of all, this board that rates them needs to have their head examined. And this made me feel old watching this. What happened to Atari and Pinball and Pac-Man? Welcome to Digital Cowboys. We feed upon the tears of fanboys. This week, we are very honored to have on the show Commander Tim of Gamehounds. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm well. I'm very well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Oh, well, I'm pretty good, Tony. I'm slowly dying of swine fever. <laughs> I'm well, here. <laughs> well, Tim, we are very honoured to have you on. And does anyone you know currently have swine flu? No, thankfully, there's uh, there's been no one. It's it's just regular flu, right? It's just like well, yeah. it's probably going to kill us all because 152 people in Mexico have died from it. So you know. They, oh my gosh! But what about the what about the millions of people afflicted with HIV around the world? I think that's a lot. Well, of yeah, but I mean, seriously, would the papers lie to us? Are you are you suggesting that? Tim. You're right. Our government and, and our media would never do anything. No. It, it would be irresponsible and wrong. Okay. Surely it's one in the long list of things we're going to die of, so yeah. it just passes over like normal. Okay. What we're going to do is basically just, I'm going to throw out questions and we can then use them as a point of discussion. And Tim, who perennially lives in the past, um, how's that 3DO working out for you, Tim, by the way? It's lovely. I just got a Panasonic FZ10 and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> that makes n- that, okay right fine never got time <laughs> yeah, I, yeah you, how much did you buy it from from that guy in the end because uh, you were very coy about it uh oh oh the the whole set i bought yeah. oh that i i can't disclose that oh I come on man i'm such a bargain hound <laughs> i okay so all the stuff you saw on Flickr plus the the, the uh gold star system yep 125 dollars oh for fuck's sake that's about 100 quid. This week we're taking a look at the Sega Dreamcast and what happened there. But can we at least say that there may be... Um, it was the first console pushing First it. console to ship with a modem built in. Yeah. True. Was it was it? not optional. Uh, Do you remember their whole slogan? You, know, you can play with one billion people. Yeah, was <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. You're like, yeah, really? Should there have been an asterisk <laughs> next to it? That is, you know, hoping that the release goes well. I mean, even the PS2 didn't sell a billion. <laughs> yeah. High hopes indeed. Yes, okay. But um <laughs> it's, Actually, it's I mean it's all other, other Bernie, Bernie Bernie Stoller was running Sega Sega's marketing at the time and that man he he talks a huge game, so Yeah. 
That's what he does. Oh, God, I remember reading an article about the Dreamcast and how, um, oh, God, there was someone in charge of the, uh, I think, uh, like a Sega of America offices who was a total asshole or something, and, uh... That would, that would be Bernie Stoller. He yeah. quit the, the day one. after it launched. That's the one. That reminds me, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah tell us about Bernie Stoller, because that sounds quite important, actually, to the whole, you know, how... Ultimately, if, if the person who, who is in charge... What was he in charge of? What was his job title? Ah, uh, I mean, let me look really quick here, actually. This is a part where I have to... We get away. He worked for Sony. Right. Uh, I forgot about that. Then he went over to Sega. Uh, could he have been a mole? No, no, no. no. <laughs> See, what you do is you go in there, you get everyone all drummed up, you say there's going to be one billion users, and then you quit on day one. What? He was he was, uh, in, he was the, the president of Sega of America. Jeez, I don't know why I spaced on that. That's going to be a bit of a blow. <laughs> Looks like he does nothing now. <laughs> wow. He's looking at Pizza Hut now. Last week we got mentioned on Giant Bomb. Many of you may remember we sent out a package of British sweets and snacks, uh, Jaffa cakes, Twiglets, etc. Just, uh, I mean, we weren't trying to plug for a uh, spot on them. We weren't hoping that they would mention us, but we were just hoping they'd, they'd eat them on air and, and go, uh, "Hey, our Twiglets, they oh, they taste terrible." Um, you know, we, we were hoping. Which to, they did. Yeah, to get there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna. Oh, we'll play this for you now. Uh, but I did want to say that one of the things that Tim sent us was Twiglets, which we had uh, previously been sent by uh, Alex and Tony from Digital Cowboys. They sent us a gift box full of stuff that just kind of got eaten. Um, <laughs> Before the show? <laughs> that happened. Remember those Jaffa Cakes? They sent us those Jaffa Cakes. Oh, yeah, those tasted like, kind of like orange cupcakes. Yeah. They, they led to me buying orange cupcakes. Those are good. The Twiglets are terrible. Twiglets taste like dirt. Like 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 sticks, like, like twigs, like literally, like they took sticks. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Terrible. Terrible. terrible, terrible. Yeah, that was that was like no. that was not good. So it's like a little twig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Al- Alex and uh, Tony also sent us this sherbet fountain, which came in this Tesco bag, so you know it's good. <laughs> which is basically a just throw this in a big plastic, bag. just a yeah, like a little this plastic a box sandwich bag, a little sandwich bag. Tesco's. So apparently there's just like a gigantic price war going on between all these discount retailers like Tesco and like Sainsbury's and uh, a few other places like ads on TV all the time. Just like saying like, we comp- we bought a basket of stuff and compared it to some stuff from Tesco and ours was cheaper, like 80% of the time. Real baskets, r- really cheaper. This is in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So it's all got like crazy accents too? Yeah. Fired up UK people? And, and there's, there's one chain over there that like their their sign of like savings is slapping their ass and having there be a coin noise. Like saying, so you got change in your pocket. <laughs> so it. it's like just people smacking their ass and then a little <laughs> like chain. And I'm like, yeah. That's how I get paid. <laughs> I got some pence. So yeah, some other British guy got to them first. Or no, actually what, what happened by the sounds of it was ours got to them like straight after they did one podcast so they just ate the stuff over the course of that week. Ugh. But, yeah, but they, they like Jaffa Cakes that we said. Yeah, it, totally. So um, yeah, they said that Twiglets tasted of dirt and twigs. Which is true. Which they, <laughs> they taste of Marmite, which doesn't taste of dirt or twigs. Um, it's lovely. Now that they mention it, actually it does kind of taste a bit dirty.
week in the Tiger Cage, we have Cooper Hawks of Game Hounds. We're going to prod him with sticks until he busts out into an awesome rant or two. David Lamont, <laughs> how are you? I'm fine, Alex. You're going to poke me with sticks. Good luck with that. You know, the best have poked. <laughs> Um, I, I, I did the uh, Desert Island Discs thing with uh, um, some people I worked with the other day, and a girl uh, said of the three movies she would want to watch for the rest of her life, one of them was P.S. I Love You. For God's sake, there are better love stories out there. Number three, who is your most admired figure in the games industry or community? Ralph Bear. Okay. Who the hell is Ralph Bear? <laughs> oh, oh my God, you're lucky you're 3,000 miles away or I'd slap the shit out of him. Um... Ralph Bear. I, I just mean for our for our listeners. I know who Ralph Bear is, but yeah, go oh, really? Who is he? Uh, he's this guy. There were these three bears, and he's the biggest. <laughs> and his name was Ralph. Yep. No, Ralph Bear, back in 1953, came up with the idea of taking an oscilloscope and trying to make some kind of interactive experience. He basically invented video games. The father of home video games, Ralph Bear, of course. Yep. I forget. Now, yeah, I feel he, bad. <laughs> he, he patented the idea. Here's, a, here's an interesting little side note. He patented the idea when he first had it, uh, and his designs were so specific in their patent that in the 80s, Nintendo and Atari had to actually pay him because he held the patent on the thing that hooked up uh, the consoles to a TV. So mm-hmm. every time a Nintendo sold, he got paid. I'm looking at the Magnavox Odyssey here, which he had something to do with. Um, yes, he basically invented that. It looks like a series of toasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he's, he's being slapped on the back by George W. Bush there. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen pictures of that in Edge, actually. They did a big thing about the, the obviously, the, the start of games. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about there. Well, that's actually a really good one to choose there, Hawks. Well done, mate. That's, um, that's quite classic. Well, Thank you. Okay. Uh, number four, and this is the new question. This is my did, one. I like this. Yeah, <laughs> Tony suggested it, because this was on um, Robert Ashley and... Uh, Life well wasted. Life well wasted, yeah. Um, asked the question of uh, the people he was interviewing, um, why do we play games? Now, I thought it was a brilliant question, and it completely petered out after about 12 minutes. He just sort of spent the rest of the podcast listening to a completely different crowd of people talking about other stuff. But it's it's such an interesting question, so we're taking it. Yeah, Yeah. so, Hawks, why do you play games? Um, I guess the easiest answer would uh, coincide with why do we read books and why do we watch movies? Uh, it's another form of entertainment. It's another form of sparking your imagination. To me, at least, that's what it is. I'm sure it's different. It's a different experience for everybody else. Um, the games spark my imagination. If you notice, a lot of the games that I like best usually are story-driven. So I like a good story. I like to be feel a part of the story rather than a peripheral viewer of it. Uh, and I like action. I'm I currently like action. reading the novelization of Pac-Man. Ah, yeah. You know, page one. A the dot. <laughs> Dude, I bet I know what happens at the end. Got yeah. high. <laughs> he died, and then poor widow Pac-Man cried for him. Okay, but okay, yeah. So, sorry, you were saying. I, I, I play for the. I play for just just to experience some things. You know, I play the football games because I suck at football. Uh, and it, you know, there in a vert, in in a game, I'm good at football because I can move a stick or something. Ah, so that's escapism rather than. It's, it's a little bit of both. It's yeah. it's a it's a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of escapism, and it's also fun. You know, I, I can't I can't you can't really describe. It, it's like somebody trying to explain why they're into a certain kink that they are. You know, nine times out of ten they can't. It's just something that they know. You know, they can probably trace back through their life and find that one moment where they saw a dog shitting on the ground and realize, yep, I want to be shit on by a woman. 
I don't Why did my mind also go to that and I was going to challenge you with that? Good lord, man. Once again, it comes back to you, you should have been hugged as a child. Yeah. yeah. Last <laughs> more, more hugs, then you won't enjoy <laughs> being shat on. Now, that's a good enough answer. That's actually uh, fair enough. Question five. What is the worst gaming experience you ever had? Does it actually have to involve video games, or can it involve a time that I beat somebody in a video game and they pulled me out of the arcade and beat the shit out of me? I think that I heard do. you t- telling me about that. Well, that that may have been someone else, but... Oh, no, actually, no, it was someone completely different. That was on Joypod. That happened to Michael. No, okay, so, yeah, what happened to you? Uh, I was playing this karate game. Oh, God, I forget the name of it, but it was in the arcades at this local pizza place uh, by my grammar school, uh-huh. uh, and I had played it like so often that I knew I had all the moves. It was so... God, such a primitive. You, when you you look at Street Fighter and you look at this game, and this game is like a pimple on the ass of, uh, <laughs> of, of Street Fighter. And this guy was like, you know, oh, yeah, come, put up his quarter. I'm gonna kick your ass. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, we'll see. And you know, I handily <laughs> handed his ass to him with a side of potatoes, and he's like, you're fucking dead, man. And I thought, oh, whatever, dude, it's a freaking video game. Sure enough, I walk out to head back to school. Guy jumps me, beats the ever living piss out of me. I don't get that. I don't um, understand how you could be like, oh, someone beat me at gaming, I want to hit them in real life. That doesn't make any sense to me. I just go, you wanker, and turn off the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, like everybody I mean, else. The high street is dying anyway. It's, it's all about the hypermarkets now, and the high street is going to be nothing but coffee shops in five years' time. So. This town was used to be so lovely. Main street isn't main street. Have you ever seen cars? You must have done. Yes, a thousand times. Main Street isn't Main Street anymore. It's that one. I like the song. Stop it. That, 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 that's a that's a that's a decent song, but you're kind of singing it less like the original dude and, and more, more like, like South Park. <laughs> yeah. Main, main Street isn't Main Street anymore. <laughs> I've got a theory that I could get you singing show tunes because I like show tunes as well. And we just got to find the same show tune that we both like. So if you just feel like breaking into it at some point in the next podcast, in the I next actually, few minutes, I, go for it. I actually blew a, a listener away when one day I just randomly started uh, uh, tweeting out the lyrics to uh, Bad Horse from Dr. Horrible's. Uh, <laughs> oh, what a program. I don't know the lyrics, but I know the song. Do you know, bad like, horse, bad horse, bad horse, bad horse, he rides the reservation, the hero bread of sin. He's got your application that you just sent in. It needs evaluation, so let the games begin. Pain is prime, a show of force, a murder would be nice, of course. Bad horse, bad horse, he's bad. The evil league of evil is watching, so beware. The brain that you receive will be your last, we swear. So make the bad horse gleeful, or he'll make you his mare. And that is all from the second year of Digital Cowboys. The good news is that it's going to take me a lot less time to compile the year three episode because from this point onwards, there's simply more shows that we're genuinely proud of. And we would like to thank the people who helped us to wrench ourselves kicking and screaming out of the early days. So thank you very much to Matt Fowler, the man who taught me how to podcast. A good friend of mine, Jamie Patton. A uh, very old-time friend of ours, Thomas Underhill. Uh, possibly our longest listener, Tony Edwards. Ryan Astley, the first person from the actual industry who ever listened to us and guested. The huge shout-out we got from Games of Jobs. Uh, they helped us much more than they can ever imagine, I'd imagine. Any listeners we may have gotten from uh, a giant bomb mentioning us, thank you very much, but it was just so cool to shake your hands, legends that you are. The rock that is Chris O'Regan. 
The Rock. And, of course, Tim. Cooper Hawks. His dancing partner. Yes, massive fan of Cooper Hawks. <laughs> and, of course, how could we forget the, I mean, what goes beyond legendary? Is it mythical? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the mythical Daniel Floyd. <laughs> You know, jumped us up from like 10 listeners to a million in one, uh, just by guesting once. And, uh, also, um, just bumped up our, you know, the quality of our show and made us up our game. Thank you so much, Dan. But most of all, we want to thank uh, Mr. Paul Shotton, our co-host for nearly 100 episodes. He came in at the very beginning when this was just a daft idea that might help three friends keep in touch. And significantly, he stuck around long after it was no longer fun for him. Paul, without you, we probably would not be podcasting right now. I think we'd have given up somewhere in the teens. Yeah, and I, I hope now people have kind of listened back to the first 100 episodes. They do realize the rock that was actually Paul throughout this yeah. You know, there's a, a lot of podcasting we've done, and you know, yeah, I agree with you completely there, Alex. You know, he was a major part, and actually, he still is a major part of the DC community. Yeah, absolutely. Good friend still. Yeah. <laughs> More importantly, still very, very good. We friend. managed to survive that, so uh, yeah, you rock, Paul. And we'd like to leave you with one very rare bit of DC footage from the very first Game Hounds hump date we were on. Uh, Miss Edie Sellers took a chance on two British guys and let us do a segment for her midweek show for many months, which got us noticed by the listeners at Platform Nation and eventually led to our year-long, very successful affiliation with them. So we'd just like to say, Edie, thank you so very much. It is, has been fantastic knowing you, and we hope you come back on the show sometime soon. Oh, she will be. Yeah. Don't you worry. <laughs> So we'll leave you with that, and DC Treasure Hunters might like to go back and check out all of the Game Hounds hump dates from uh, March 2008 onwards uh, to just listen out for little segments that we were in. Some of the shows were just sort of um, bits that we took out of our existing shows. Some of them were bits we recorded just for Game Hounds. So, uh, yeah, exclusive yeah. content. Indeed. Uh, might even do a compilation of them sometime. So we'll see you all next week, and hopefully not too long from now for the uh, third and possibly best part of the greatest hits collection i've been alex shaw i've been tony atkins happy trails welcome to the new game hounds hump date i'm Edie sellers and this is your calendar of game releases for next week beginning sunday april 5th 2009 this week we bring you two shows the digital cowboys and maynard's minutes enjoy Hello and welcome to the second Digital Cowboys weekly pod for Game Hounds. I'm regular host Alex Shaw. I'm Tony Atkins. This week we spoke about many things. We interviewed Ryan Astley, who is uh, one of our regular listeners, about what it's like to actually work for a uh, gaming company and getting an education in gaming. The thing that sparked the most debate this uh, week was uh, we were talking about OnLive, which was discussed at GDC, which is the um, it's kind of like a way of broadcasting a PC to your TV. I mean, d- explain it, Tony. The ability to play games streamed straight from the net, no con- no uh, hardware required, other than the ability to get it to your TV. Basically. It's the much-mooted cloud where people have been battling about for a long time I mean EA have been talking about this sort of thing for a while I mean it's it's very kind of phantom related but uh, this actually looks like it might be actually proper usable tech and uh, they do have release dates and things for it which is quite scary and interesting this uh, clip was when we first started talking about it and you get a bit of back and forth from me and Tony and uh, you can hear more if you listen to the whole show Welcome to the Digital Cowboy, baby. I, I tell you, it, it looks great for us I would say, honestly, that if this was an opportunity, I would be... Well, I don't PC game anyway. I don't... 
See, it would have to be replacing something that was tangible. I don't think this would replace my 360, for example. I don't think it could in terms of actually playing games. Because, I mean, unless it's got something as important as Xbox Live, one of the main reasons I play the 360 over the PS3 is Xbox Live. Okay, but it, it does have a friend service. Um, it has a service where basically you can jump into anybody game, anybody's game that they're actually playing. So you're playing Mirror's Edge. I can actually watch you playing Mirror's Edge without it causing any difficulties your end. And you can watch anybody play any game. Um, it also has features where you just press a button and it recalls 15 seconds of, you know, the last thing you've just done. That all loads up into a big uh, database for you to, you and your friends to watch. It sounds like almost too good to be true and this is why i think you're going to see you know a company maybe like microsoft or sony look at this and go maybe this is the tech that we need to really you know push the next generation of consoles forward i'm not too sure this thing is going to take off massively because it seems to be the infrastructure needed to to bring this to to market i mean they seem to be doing a lot of work and a lot of people seem to be very interested in it but i just you know it's almost too good to be true i i it could definitely replace online expensive-ass PC gaming because I'm, I'm sure no one out there with an Alienware PC would be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I spent this much money on it. Oh, thank God I now have to buy a new graphics card. It would have to be running in tandem with Wii gaming or something that's a lot more um, mainstream. Let's put it in that kind of nice way. I think um, I want to butt in here, actually. Yeah, uh, go for it. I've been thinking about this for a few minutes. I mean, you've got to think in... This could take part in like five or ten years when this could actually be settled. You think of how today, right, everybody is trying to try and get like digital TV. You see all like these grannies, you know, trying to use their digi boxes. It'll just be like very, very simplistic little, it'll be like digital TV, I think, in like, you know, the equivalent in ten years' time. You're just going to have one of these little boxes and subscribe to a service where it will beam your games down to you. You know, it'll just be as simple as possible. Everything's done, you know, up in the sky. So I can imagine like, you know, what they've been talking about here you know that could be the norm in 10 years time i could imagine it's very likely actually the 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 faff of of having to it's not just buying a box the faff of these companies having to invest in a box which may or may not take off it making it cheap making it simple cheap and simple to have have to be the watchwords of uh, gaming for the future because going complicated and expensive didn't work for the 3do and it's not working for the ps3 yeah but on top of this look we we're always arguing about you know the future of gaming consoles is downloadable, uh, downloadable games, downloadable content, because you know they can sell you the game once and it's not being sold a second time, and they can control the industry and earn a lot more money. And something like this is is perfect because it's, I mean, it's you're not even downloading it; it's just a service they supply you. And I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's, it looks almost like it's some sort of rental service that it's you know you don't want to necessarily pay forty pounds and then have nothing other than the, maybe the access to it as long as the service is going. Once again, the thing stopping this is is broadband um, penetration because I mean, it's it to me it's great. I'm on a twenty megabit connection. Something like this to me sounds well fantastic. I'll just you know, download it. It's playing stuff in 720p, but I mean the console, even the console online attach rate, some of the 360 is, is still only like 60%. That's 40% of your market that don't even entertain the uh, the idea of going online. And I still think that's going to be the case for a good few years. So all this downloadable stuff, we've had this conversation many times, doesn't necessarily apply to a, a huge demographic of people. 
But, I mean, with the Steam market being as huge as it is, you could definitely see them migrating directly from Steam to this, and ultimately, I think Valve would have to address this issue at some point and either go into partnership with them or... I mean, if if they do take off, or it's going to be a direct one versus the other, Microsoft-Sony, and ultimately no one really wins that particular fight. So So why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Okay, that's about all we can fit into the five-minute segment, but you can download our podcast from iTunes, go to the blog page, and also check out the regular posted articles. A new Digital Cowboy show will be up every Saturday, and if you'd like to write to us, the address is digitalcowboys at googlemail.com. By all means, if you agree or disagree with anything we've said, we want to hear from you in the GameHounds forums. So I've been Alex Shaw. Oh, I've been Tony Atkins. Happy trails. Thank you for listening for the Hump Date for April 1st, 2009. Check back on Saturday for an all-new regular GameHounds episode with me, Commander Tim Wilsey, and Cooper Hawks. And also, don't forget to check out the website, www.gamehounds.net. Or you can catch the daily gaming news from me, Edie Sellers, the San Francisco Video Game Examiner at examiner.com. So on behalf of me, Mr. Maynard, and the Digital Cowboys, thank you for listening and play hard. A final thank you to gravelly-voiced crooner Mark Chance, who has been the musical soul of the Digital Cowboys since day one. Mark's love song is, and always will be, our theme, and the digital bit in... ...is from this song here, called The Life. I'll let Mark play us out, as he has so many times before. This is the life, this is the life, this is the life, hey, hey.